The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. It says, Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor it says, Put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall, it says, Fear thy God, I am the Lord. There's a great emphasis there. Uh, take your Bible and go to Isaiah chapter 57, 57 uh, chapter of Isaiah, 57th chapter of Isaiah. Uh, look down in verse 14. Isaiah 57 and verse 14. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, and shall say, cast ye up, cast ye up. Prepare the way. Uh, take up the stumbling block out of the way, watch it now, of my people. So God says there needs to be a time when we take up the stumbling blocks that's before the people of God. I want to speak tonight on the stumbling blocks of sinners. The stumbling blocks of sinners. I really believe tonight that Satan has a strategy. The strategy is to keep as many people uh, from understanding the finished work of Christ as possible. He doesn't want people saved. He doesn't want people redeemed. He doesn't want people washed in the blood of the Lamb. He doesn't want people to go to heaven. So a part of Satan's strategy is, I'm going to try to stop as many people from getting saved as I possibly can. Now, he may do all sorts of things in order to accomplish that cause, but he doesn't want people saved. Another part of the strategy I do believe that Satan has is to cause Christians to become stumbling blocks in front of other people. Christians, if you will, yes, and in front of unsaved people, so that unsaved people will not be saved, and so that Christians begin to doubt the sincerity of the other's faith, or doubt the sincerity of them living for Christ, or yes, even doubt Christ himself. And so many times, uh, I've heard this, who hath hindered you? Many times it's the who that hinders a person from being all out for Christ. I don't think we ought to be that way. I don't think you ought to live a life where somebody could say, well, the reason I'm not totally dedicated is because of him. The reason I'm not totally dedicated is because of her. Besides, if he can do this and uh, still be blessed of God, then it's okay for me to do it too. I think that every person under the pitch of my voice ought to have a desire to be completely surrendered to Jesus Christ. I don't think that in our day and time and in our lifespan, we ought to play with God. I don't think you ought to play religion. I don't think you ought to come, if you would please, and have a Burger King religion, have it your way. I don't think it ought to be that way. I think that you ought to uh, just decide, I'm going to put my feelings aside. I'm going to put my opinions aside. I'm going to put my desires aside. And I'm simply going to give myself to God and let God work through me to his complete capacity. Uh, and so, but because there is these uh, strategies, there is these devices that uh, the devil tries to use, if you would please, to uh, hinder us from fulfilling the will of God. I think we ought to draw attention to some of those tonight. And how is it that we as believers uh, could become a stumbling block? What are some of the things that we could do to uh, cause somebody else to stumble? Let's look at them in your Bible tonight. Statement number one, uh, discord in the church. 
Discord in the church, uh, sowing discord among the brethren. You know, in the Bible, God blessed the church. Why? Because they were in one accord. That's why great revivals took place of yesteryear. Uh, that's why you had the day of Pentecost. They were in one accord. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, the Bible says these all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, the Bible says, uh, and with his brethren. So what was it? They were in one accord. They were in one accord. Nobody's trying to be Mr. Cheese. Nobody's trying to be superstar. Nobody's trying to draw attention to themselves. It was all about Christ. Amen. It was all about putting him first. All right. And so they were in one accord. Acts chapter 2 and in verse 1, the Bible says this. And when the day of Pentecost, it says, was fully come. Listen to it now. They were all with one accord in one place. Uh, so they're all in one accord. Uh, be careful about the person that is just different than everybody else when everybody else is trying to be dedicated and then you got this fish out of water. Be careful about that. Be careful about the person that's always going around patting themselves on the back, trying to get everybody else to believe in them. Be careful about the person that's always trying to uh, be friends with everybody. Now, I think you ought to be friends with everybody, but I think you ought to also help people to grow in Christ. Uh, don't draw attention to yourself as much as you draw attention to our Savior. Uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, the Bible says they continued daily with one accord. Uh, in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house it says did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart so what were they doing they were in one accord I believe the church ought to attend one accord I believe we go soul winning one accord I think we ought to pray one accord I think we ought to listen to Bible preaching one accord. I think that uh, there will be times when the church just gets a burden for God to do something that you see in one accord. They go to God in prayer, gather around the altar and ask God to do something marvelous in their midst. But be careful now because if a person is causing that which is discord in the church, it'll never be blessed. All right, it could be a stumbling block. Statement number one. Statement number two, uh, divided Christians. Divided Christians. Here in our Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and in verse 3, you see that there is a listing of those that are divided. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and in verse 3, the Bible says this, for ye are yet cardinal. The Bible says, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not cardinal and walk as men. Now, wait a minute. God gives, if you will, please, uh, uh, that which is uh, a three separate type of men that you can find in 1 Corinthians. Uh, here's one of them. The Bible says, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and in verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because their spirits we discern. All right? So here's a natural man. What is a natural man according to the Bible? He's an unsaved man. So an unsaved man comes to church. He doesn't receive the, uh, the things of God. Why? He's not saved. They are spiritually discerned, all right? So he comes to church. Oh, yeah, he can understand where the book of Matthew is. He can understand what the preacher's saying. But as far as receiving spiritual content out of it, he can't do it. Why? Uh, he is lost. He's undone. He's not been made alive in Christ Jesus. 
And so what takes place, he's dead in his trespasses and sin. Therefore, he can just, oh, he can hear the jokes, laugh with everybody else. He can say amen, just like everybody else. He can open his Bible, just like everybody else. He can come to the altar and pray, just like everybody else, but not saved. Not saved. Uh, in my lifetime, I've had the privilege to lead pastors to Christ. I've had the privilege to lead people to Christ that were deacons in churches. I've had the privilege to lead Sunday school teachers to Christ. I gave the illustration at the sword when I preached uh, last week about this lady that was over in the uh, King's area of North Carolina. And uh, I was preaching for a dear friend of mine on Sunday night. Here comes this lady walking down the aisle. I've been a Sunday school teacher for 22 years, but told her pastor, not saved, not saved. I told about a deacon's wife uh, that uh, we took the one steps, which is what we use for our discipleship program here. And uh, I, 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 I always take uh, books for people to read in the hospital. Why? Hospitals are boring places. So I take stuff for people to read to keep their minds occupied. And so uh, uh, we pass out, oh, I would dare say at least 200 books a year uh, where we pass them out on Sunday night here and I have Destiny to wrap those books for me and we pass them out and uh, uh, we give books for people to read. I believe that readers are leaders and so I, I try and put books in their hands so that they can read and uh, continue to grow in their faith not just by the preaching but in addition to the preaching as they read they grow in the Lord I, I believe in that well, I gave this lady the series 43 steps if you will and uh, and uh, she was a deacon's wife Mrs. Tussie uh, she's uh, I believe Mrs. Tussie's already gone home to be at the Lord right now her husband did brother Tussie did uh, Mrs. Tussie deacon's wife down in Gulfport Mississippi my wife and I went by to visit her. I gave her the stack of books and she said, oh, I don't need to read this one on salvation. She laid it aside. She did not pick it up. She looked at it. No doubt the Holy Spirit uh, just put it in her heart. I just need to read them all in order. And so she picked it up. She read the first one about salvation. And she said, as I read the book, I realized I didn't have it. I just didn't have it. So she bowed her heart in a hospital bed in the, the, the uh, uh, Gulf Coast area and asked Jesus Christ to be her Savior, deacon's wife. We've seen, uh, uh, in our church, we've seen youth workers get saved. In our church, we've seen Sunday school teachers get saved. In our church, we've seen teenagers get saved. Uh, somebody said, well, what about children if they come and they want to get saved over and over again? When's it going to stop, pastor, when they get saved? Because once you get saved, you'll stop coming. But you don't want to cause a child not to come. You don't want to say, don't you ever. I was preaching down in Lake City, Florida. Never will forget it. My wife will remember this. It was a youth rally. I was preaching, gave an invitation. A boy walked down the aisle, 18 years of age. It was the pastor's son. He looked at his dad and he said, Dad, I know I'm not saved. I need to get saved tonight. He said to his son, you're embarrassing me. I remember when you got saved when you were nine. Now you stop it. You're just trying to get attention. You go sit down. You're embarrassing me. He sent his 18-year-old son to sit down. As far as I know, he never got saved. 
Now, can I tell you, when somebody sees that they need Christ as Savior, uh, uh, I don't care who it is. I don't care what their background is. I don't care how well you know them. When somebody wants to receive Christ as Savior, let them get saved. Amen. Don't prevent them from coming. I hope that we never grow to the point, to the place where we have uh, such formalities in the church where somebody feels as though, hey, I'm so-and-so's daughter, I'm so-and-so's son, and I'm not going to get saved because what will my church and my friends think? I'll tell you, if you've got the right type of friend and you're in the right type of church, they'll rejoice with you every time. It doesn't matter uh, how many times you met. We just want you to know for sure. Uh, we want you to make sure that you're going to go to heaven. Hey, there's the natural man. Natural man comes to church, preachers preaching, and they're bored. Why? They don't understand the Bible. There's the natural man. They never get excited about spiritual things. Why? They can't. They don't understand it. They want to get out. They want to go someplace else. That's the natural man. Wait a minute. Then there's that person that gets saved and they're spiritual. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and in verse 15. The Bible says, but he that is spiritual, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and in verse 15. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. So here's a spiritual man. He can understand what it is to be spiritual. Why? He's there. He's there. A Christian, the byproduct of a Christian, is the production of another Christian. You're saved. You want somebody else saved. You have a desire for somebody else to get saved. You're not selfish. You don't want to hide the gospel. You care about people. So you want somebody else to be saved. All right? And so uh, here's the person that's spiritual. What are they doing? They're trying to reach as many people as they can. Why? Life is short. It's not going to last forever. One day you'll take your last breath. You're going to die. You're going to go to heaven. Uh, you can't take your money with you. You can't take your house with you. You can't even take your fame with you. But what you can take with you is somebody else. Now, you can't save them, but you can give them the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God as a tool. You say, but pastor, you understand, I'm kind of timid and shy. I can't talk to people. You can pass out tracts. You can give your testimony. You can give them a CD to listen to or a digital recording of the gospel. You can do many things to be able to reach those that work beside you, live beside you, friends, loved ones, people you care about. If you really care about somebody, you don't want them to die and burn in hell. I'm saying this. I'm saying that there is uh, Christians, divided Christians. Uh, there's the natural man. There's the spiritual man. I read this to you a moment ago. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 and 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3, says, for ye are yet carnal. What does that mean? Uh, uh, that means it's a, a saved person that's not spiritual. It's a saved person that's fleshly. You know, uh, it's, a, it's a person that says, well, I'm saved. I can do whatever I want to do. So they go drink. I'm saved so I can do what I want to do. They do not understand what the Bible teaches about liberty. They're taking advantage of the liberty of Christ and sinning against the Father. Well, I'm saved so I can go to the gambling casino. 
Well, I'm saved, so it doesn't matter if I curse. Well, I'm saved. Man, I can go over to the, uh, the X-rated movies and the R-rated movies. I can bring stuff in my house, and it doesn't matter. Keep beer in the refrigerator, wine in the... I'm saved. It doesn't matter. Can I tell you? It does matter. It matters if you're saved. Why? You're not doing it just to please man. I hope not. Uh, that's a, a whole thing about uh, modest dress. Well, you know, uh, I, I'll dress modest uh, at this time, but not at this time. Who are you doing it for? Are you doing it for man? Or are you doing it for God? Hopefully you're spiritual enough. You're doing it for God. It doesn't matter what man thinks. God looks on the heart. He knows why you're doing it. He knows why you are or are not living for God. You and I ought to decide we're going to live for God 100%. And it doesn't matter where we are. God's looking for true, born-again believers that are sold out to Christ and giving Christ every inch of your life. Don't just pretend. Amen. Here's what we understand. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3, Are ye not yet carnal? For whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, the Bible says that this carnal person walks as a man. You show me somebody that's always envying somebody else, I can promise you they're not walking with God. You show me somebody that has trouble forgiving other people. I can show you in the scriptures, they're not right with God. Amen. You show me a person. And by the way, can I say this as kindly as I know how? The reason that people are stumbling as Christians is because they don't see people that are sold out. Amen. They see people playing church. I don't know. I don't understand it. But you get excited at a ball game. But when you come to church, you're not excited. But yet we have the eternal word of God. I, I like the old time religion. I like when people would take and they'd get excited about preaching and where people would fellowship and it would be clean and it would be just and it would be right and you didn't have to worry about worldliness coming into the church. I'm saying this. I'm saying that there is divided Christians that are stumbling blocks. Statement number three. There's destructive uh, backsliders. Destructive backsliders. Sliders. Uh, Genesis chapter 19, verse 14. The Bible says, And Lot went out, and he spake unto his sons. This is very sad. And he spake unto his sons, which married his uh, sons-in-law, that married his daughters. So he's speaking unto his sons-in-laws. The Bible says that married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out. He says, For uh, of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. Now watch this. But it seemed as one that mocketh, or it seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. They didn't believe him. You know why? Because he's always speaking out the side of his mouth. In church, clean jerk, uh, jokes. Out of church, dirty jokes, off-color jokes. In church, carrying the Bible. Out of church, carrying wrong magazines. In church, seemingly excited about the things of God. Out of church, what's that called? Preacher! In my Bible, it's called a hypocrite. Yes, sir. Now, wait a minute. Here's what we understand. There's that destructive backslider. 
How are they uh, destructive? We think about Demas in the Bible. We read about how Demas, having loved this present world, and then he stepped out. That's the testimony of his life. How would you like to have that one on your grave? Uh, you think about uh, 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 Lot, who was sitting there in the gate, and, and, and then all of a sudden now being popular among the crowd that was leading that perverse city the wrong direction, now uh, visited by the angels of the Lord, and the angels of the Lord said, hey, uh, go ahead and get out. He's got a burden for his daughters. He's got a burden for his sons-in-laws, and he goes to them and said, hey, look, uh, angels visited me, and they told me to get out. We've got to get out. We've got to get out, and they, they just laughed at him. You know why? Because they didn't think that he knew anything spiritual. Why did they think that? Simply because of the fact the way he was living. Oh man, when's the last time you walked into a room, you saw your daddy on his knees, bawling his eyes out because he wants you to live for God? When's the last time you heard mama walking around the house and she's singing a melodious tune because she loves God so much, it's just pouring out? When's the last time, parent, you walked into one of your children's rooms and you saw them and uh, they weren't sleeping, they were up, they were reading their Bible late at night, they're trying to get things from God, they have a thirst. Hey, when's the last time your teenager said, listen, I was over so-and-so's house and they started playing this wicked game and uh, in the game there was rock music and there was killing and there was blood and dad, I've just got to tell you, I had to stand up and say, that's it, I'm not going to do this no more, that's wrong. When's the last time you had a Christian that just said, I'm going to do what's right, and it doesn't matter if it hair lips the devil. I'm going to do what's right, and I'm going to live for God. I think here's what the problem is. We become so passive. We're like tiny Tim of years ago, tiptoeing through the tulips. We become so passive. You know, it's like, okay, here it is. We come to church, and we're comfortable. I mean, it's true. We come to church and we're just comfortable. Even the way we sit at church, it's just real comfortable. That's like we're ready to take a nap. You know, preachers preaching and we just sit there. And because you're comfortable doing the preaching, no wonder you don't come to an invitation time. Because, I mean, after all, nothing's going to rock your boat because you're comfortable. When's the last time you came forward and prayed for your kids? Oh, I do that in the car. I doubt it. I do that when I get home. Yeah, right. When's the last time you came as a family, got around the altar, held hands, cried, prayed for each other, prayed that God would use you? Uh, by the way, I'm talking about uh, the time when you're together and you care about the things of God more than you do your image. More than you do your money. More than you do the things of impressing people. Look, here we understand that there are stumbling blocks. What are the stumbling blocks? We see this. There's a sowing discord among the brethren. There's div the, the divided Christians. There's the destructive backslides. Here we go. There's the devilish doctrines. Well, you're talking about, preacher. People are saying, well, you know, you're saved today, but you lose it tomorrow. What is that? That's a devilish doctrine. 
uh, that which is uh, Calvinism. What is that, preacher? A devilish doctrine. There's Catholicism. What's that, preacher? A devilish doctrine. There's Hinduism. What's that, preacher? A devilish doctrine. There's Muslimism. What is that, preacher? A devilish doctrine. By the way, hey, uh, 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 here's, a, here's a flash for you. I, I was preaching at the Sword Conference, and one of the guys came up, and he said, I'd like to come to your city. I said, what would draw you to our city? He said, your city is the third largest Muslim population in the United States of America. He said, There's, you're the third largest in the United States. He said, and they're moving there by the droves. Now, you say, what do you do? Let's all run. Ah, let's all hide. Ah, what do you do? Go win them the Christ. Yeah. That's what you do. Hey, don't, don't, don't believe this, that, oh, man, you know, I'll tell you what, you know, I, I can't witness to a Muslim because, after all, they're going to chop my big toe off. You know, most of the Muslims I've met here, Brother Palo Alto, in our city are kind people, caring people, very patient people. I've had the privilege to lead several, several, several Muslims to Christ and very open to the Bible when it's the Bible truth. You're not supposed to be afraid. You're supposed to help them. Uh, there's devilish doctrines of the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses. By the way, there's only two types of religious persuasion in the entire world. Those that believe you get to heaven by works. Those that believe the Bible way, you get to heaven by grace. I'm so glad that I obey the Bible and believe the Bible way, it's by grace. I was staying at the hotel uh, there, uh, and uh, I had the privilege when I was uh, there one day. The guys went out soul winning. I had uh, two pastors wanted me to uh, talk with them, and so I spent some time in talking with them. And, and I'd already led two people at the Hotel to Christ. These were people that was taking care of my room, and, and it just so happened. I don't know why she did this, but there was a lady that knocked on my door. She had a man with her, and, and they were supposed to be room attendants. And uh, I, she kept knocking and knocking, and I thought, what in the world? So I went to the door, and she said, I'm embarrassed. I have a fork. Uh, they put us up in a suite. I have a fork that belongs in this room, and I need to return it. I said, I'll make you a deal. I'll let you come in, because she's going to get in trouble. Matter of fact, if her boss listens to this tonight, she's still probably going to get in trouble. I said, I'll make you a deal. I'll let you come in if he will come in with you and you give me about five minutes to talk with you. What's she going to say? No. I mean, her job is on the line. Apparently, she used the fork for lunch and was bringing it back. Hope she washed it off. If not, I could have gave her some toilet paper from Korea. And so uh, I said, Nat, come on in. So they came in. I said, let me ask you a question. And, <laughs> and I should have broke it down a little bit better, but... I wanted to study and they're interrupting my time and and she's got a fork and she feels urgent to put the fork in the drawer then wash it just put it in the drawer probably already washed or at least licked I don't know and and so I said you know I, I want to get back to my studies but this is important now that you're both here dumb 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 I said if you died right now but well, his eyes went, went from being like this to oh. I mean, you know, they just entered into my room. The door is now shut. 
and he's standing there and I said if you died right now he said sir we're just trying to return the fork I said no 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 don't run don't run I'm a preacher I, I love God I'm a Christian I just want to talk to you about receiving Christ as Savior just give me a little bit of your time here's what the Bible says and then when I said Bible they kind of chilled a little bit it's amazing what the Bible does and I had the privilege to go through it. They sat on the couch there together, got them calmed down. Their heart stopped pounding outside of their chest. Took the time, showed them how to be safe. Hey, wonderful time. And did you know, uh, after that, when I would see them at breakfast the next morning, guess who the kindest people were to me? The people that stole the fork. I'm saying this. I'm saying there's devilish doctrine. Statement number next, almost done. Here it is. There's defeated Christians. Defeated Christians can become a stumbling block. Woe is me. How you doing? I could be better. How's God been to you? Well, you know. Uh, have you had a great day? Could have had a better one. Man, they're always down in the dumps. You know, uh, sometimes, sometimes you ought to tell your face that you're saved. Amen. Amen. Preacher preaches about heaven and you're gone, you could sit there and go, yeah. Instead of sitting there going, here it is, Psalm 137 in verse 3. The Bible says, For there they that uh, there are they that carry, it says, us away captive. It says, required of us a song. And uh, they had wasted, uh, listen to it, us required us mirth saying sing one of the songs of Zion uh, here were some Christians that lost their song the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing singing it says singing making melody in your heart to look you ever do this when you start to sing that was great Mrs. Palmore wonderful uh, but you, you ever see this when you start to sing songs how it changes your attitude uh, part of my counsel and people that uh, face depression is what type of music you listen to ACDC is not going to help you what type of music you listening to put melonious music in when Saul got depressed he called for David and he said David bring your harp when David was playing on the harp, melonious music, it changed the spirit of Saul. By the way, you listen to me, you've got kids at home, and the kids at home, they don't want to obey, always causing havoc, always causing trouble. Find yourself some good gospel, melonious music, put it in, play it, and it changes their attitude. Happens every single time. Uh, you got trouble physically, you wake up in the morning, you're depressed, you can't seem to make it, it just seems like the devil's pounding on you all the time. What do you do, preacher? Get in your Bible, pray, talk to a friend, but listen to good godly music. Good godly music will change your disposition. It'll help you. You ever do this with your kids? You start singing a song, and then they start singing it with you. You ever watch this? As they're singing, their attitude changes. The attitude changes. 
Now, by the way, I don't know if this would work or not. Husband comes home. He's meaner than a junkyard dog. He comes in and he says, it's just been a, you know, and he's just me. I would say this, start singing to him. Say, what's he going to do? I'd probably run. Especially if you can't sing. What you could do is turn, turn something on, good Christian music, and lift the words. But if you're a man, make sure it's a man singing. Uh, I, I'm saying this. I'm saying that uh, there's defeated Christians. Statement number next, there's dead churches. Boy, have I preached in a score of them. Being an evangelist, uh, 12 plus years, heading to the 13th year. And I often used to kid when I would teach at pastor's conferences that sometimes it would take me three days just to raise the dead. And that's in Baptist churches. Now, can I, uh, don't let our church, by the way, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Yeah, in church, you ought to act like you like it. Preacher gets up and says, hey, we're a soul winning church. We're supposed to go soul winning. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Uh, that lets people know that, hey, man, you really believe that, don't you? Matthew chapter 23 and verse 13, the Bible says, and woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of God against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that enter to go in. Uh, he says those are entering to go in, he says you, you hold them back. Look, some people come to church, I'm being honest with you, some people come to church to enjoy it. They don't come to church to just kind of like, well, I, I did my duty. I went to church. I didn't get nothing out of it, but went to church. I did my civil duty. My neighbor saw me, and I went to church. It ought not be that way. And you ought to come looking for gold, like the California gold rush. Yeah. You ought to come and just say, man, I'm going to find something. You know what they had to do? Get down, took a little bit of effort, got their hands dirty, sift it back and forth until they found gold. Then when they got it, they were excited. They didn't know if it was real. They didn't know if it was fake, but they were excited. They found something. That's what you ought to do when you come to church. You ought to say, hey, I'm going to find something. It's going to be good. And by the way, look for the gold. Don't look for the coal. I, I'm sorry, but we live in such a uh, we live in such a pessimistic society. You know, where it's just you know it's just like <laughs> people don't even look like they enjoy Christianity. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it's terrible. Yeah. I mean, you know, you ought to be able to smile about something. Yeah. I feel for you. I love you. But it's not time to bury you yet. <laughs> so until it's time to bury you, you control your face and don't let somebody else control your face. When they bury you, they're going to control your face. They're going to ask your wife, show me a picture of what he really looked like in life. And they're going to try and make you look as natural as possible. 
So are they going to have like a smile? Are they going to have sad look? I mean, what does people know you by? That was a good snort, whoever did that. <laughs> Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1, here's what it says. Almost done. The Bible says, No unto the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things saith the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. It says, I know thy works, and thou hast a name, listen to it now, that livest and art dead. He said, and art dead. He said, so here's a church that used to be alive, but now they're dead. Lastly, I'm done. Here it is. A deluded gospel. You know, a deluded gospel can cause people to stumble. I remember when Billy Graham changed his emphasis. And all of a sudden, you know, he started bringing in all these different groups. And if you came forward and you were a Catholic, they'd give you to a Catholic counselor. If you were a Methodist, they'd give you to a Methodist counselor. I know this to be true because I had some friends that was involved in, in the counseling system of that particular, uh, those events. I remember that. Uh, can, can I say this? I remember the day that he added sins in there. Dear God, I pray that uh, you would forgive me of, uh, of, of uh, all my sins and then would say, and help me to live for you the rest of the days. What's living for him have to do with salvation? You receive him as Savior, then you learn how to live for him. It's not a part of salvation. If it's a part of salvation, it becomes works. I remember the day that he said that hell had no fire. I remember that. Now, he did recant of some of these things later and changed it and said, yeah, I apologize, I'm sorry. And I appreciate that. But can I say this? Uh, uh, don't dilute the gospel. Don't dilute the gospel just to become popular. Don't do that. Here it is, I'm done. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 8, the Bible says, and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them that stumble at the word, being disobedient, says, whereunto also they were appointed. So wait a minute, there's those that stumble at the word, and when you stumble at the word, what happens? You become disobedient. Last verse I'll read, here it is. Uh, over in the 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible says this. The Bible says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, foolishly, it says, but unto us uh, which are saved, it is the power of God. So the Bible says, uh, it's foolishness to those that hear the gospel and they don't understand the cross. Uh, let me give you just one more. Romans chapter 3 and verse 26. The Bible says to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, uh, that uh, he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So only in Jesus Christ do we have justification. Don't dilute the gospel. It's not Jesus in baptism, Jesus in being good. You say, don't do this. Well, he looks saved. Well, he doesn't look saved. Well, he smells saved, but he doesn't smell saved. Well, he walks saved, but he doesn't walk saved. Well, he snores saved, but he doesn't snore saved. And no. Don't dilute the gospel. Uh, be careful to make the gospel clear. Just be careful. I was riding in a plane, flying up the uh, 
Charlotte is where I flew into. And uh, so I, I was flying up a plane, young couple sat beside me. We got airborne, I looked at both of them and I said, man, it's a great day to be a Christian. Man spoke up and he said, I agree. Yeah, it's a great day to be a Christian. His wife was sitting beside me, he was sitting at the window. And he said, honey, don't you agree with that? She said, it's a great day to be a Christian. I said, man, we all three agree. I said, now, I know I'm going to go to heaven. Do you know you're going to go to heaven? I'm edging that way, you know. I said, yeah, yeah. He said, he spoke up. He spoke up. It was neat because he, he spoke up. And he said, yeah, I know I'm going to go to heaven. She said, uh, yeah, I know that too. She's real quiet. Yeah, I know that too. Probably because she was stuck in the middle of two guys that's having conversation. She said, yeah, I know that too. I said, great. I said, so if I wanted to go to heaven, what would you tell me to do? She spoke up, and she said, you need to be saved by no other one than Jesus Christ only. I received him when I was 13 years old. I looked at him. I said, what about you? He said, I received him probably when I was 18. I said, probably. He said, no, no, I'll take it back. He said, because you're one of those soul-winning Christians, aren't you? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, I'm going to talk to you about your soul. He said, all right, so I'm going to be very specific with my words. He said, because I've met you guys before. He said, I did receive Christ as my Savior when I was 18 years of age. And if this plane was to go down right now, he said, I'm going to go to heaven, and I know it lady sitting in front said that's neat I said it sure is he's gonna go she's gonna go I'm gonna go where are you going <laughs> and she said well I'm gonna go too so all four of us will go the man sitting beside her said let me see that I said no I got one for you too <laughs> it's amazing and by the way all five of us me being a part of the five going to go to heaven. They're all saved. I don't know if it's like, you know, North Carolina stuff or what, but they were all saved, going to go to heaven. Now, isn't that neat, though? Not a diluted gospel. Just not diluted. Uh, you don't have to be ashamed of Jesus Christ. You just don't. You can take him with you to the grocery store, and he'll go well. You can take him with you no matter where you go. I'm saying this. I'm saying don't be a stumbling block. Make sure that as a Christian, you're not a stumbling block to sinners and also to saints. Father, bless we pray. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.